ho ho! Happy holidays, everyone! It's me, Santa Nate! And this holiday season, we've got a special treat for you! Edenverse Volume 1 is on sale on Amazon.com for 99 cents! Buy five copies for the price of one! Ho 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 ho! Give them to someone you hate! Uh, Words About Books is a poorly spoken podcast. It is a podcast where we discuss books. And today we have, I want to say, a treat in the form of StarCraft Liberty's Crusade. It's a book that I read that now Ben has to listen to me talk about. Uh, I'm Nate, of course, and uh, my co-host Ben is forced to listen to me. How's it going? It's going well. Um, I'm excited to listen to this book. I'm sure it will transcend the, I don't want to say curse, but maybe maybe just stereotype that books based on video games, much like movies based on video games, are fucking awful. And we, what? we shouldn't you didn't like Warcraft the movie. I didn't see Warcraft the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we we probably shouldn't continue to make them, but we do because if you put a popular character on a cover of a book, people will buy that book and leave it on their shelf and not read it. Unfortunately, I did. Oh, you're not supposed to do that. Yeah, that was that was my bad. I was going to ask you uh, kind of your experience with StarCraft. Did you have any experience with the first game, the one from 1998? Yeah, so I was really into Starship Troopers, which is a book. But in this case, I was into the movie. And also, the I'm sure the CG does not hold up, but there was a CG cartoon for StarCraft or Starcraft, Starship Troopers that I was really into. And I bought the original StarCraft Brood Wars game for N64 um, because it looked like Starship Troopers. And it was not, and I played it for a little while, but trying to play that game with an N64 controller is about as good as trying to play it with like a DDR dance pad. So I kind of just gave up. I eventually got into the Warcraft games later on in life, and I, I played those properly on a computer. And then when StarCraft II came out, I decided to check it out. And I really enjoy, I really enjoy the multiplayer. So for anyone who doesn't know, it's it's a strategy game, and it's a very solid, well built, well balanced strategy game. Yeah, it's real time. So you're making moves at the same time your opponent is. And I never really put it together that that's what that meant. <laughs> really yeah i was like oh yeah wow <laughs> so you learned something new today yeah i did it makes so much sense now but my experience with starcraft is that that i i played it on the n64 
the controls just, they don't map. You need a keyboard and mouse. So then I came back to it and I played it on the computer and I pretty much just play the multiplayer and I don't, I, I kind of know who the main characters of Starcraft 2 are, I think, but I don't, <laughs> I don't know much about it. I also played StarCraft 1, first on the N64, where I accidentally activated Siege Mode and just annihilated my friend's base from a distance. And then I saw it on PC in like 6th grade or something. So I got that, and then I proceeded to play it off and on for the better part of 10 years. So I always seem to gravitate back to it over the summer. And basically, StarCraft has wasted my entire life. Uh, so that's why we're here today. Actually, I did meet two two friends in real life that I originally met on StarCraft. Uh, shout out to Josh and Greg if they're if they're listening. To Question for you though. Yes. Was it StarCraft's captivating story that kept bringing no. you back? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. So, StarCraft is a video game that came out in 1998 with an expansion that same year. And then 12 years later, a sequel came out, and we we tend to play that a lot. So, for the benefit of our listeners, Ben, would you please briefly explain the setting of StarCraft? Oh, it's so intricate. Um... You can do it from memory, right? <laughs> so <laughs> the best way I could think to describe the story of StarCraft to a non-StarCraft fan is to say that it is a science fiction story set in the far future, long after humanity has accomplished interstellar travel, but not faster than light travel. Oh, we're going to get into that, actually. And um. it centers around the interactions, particularly military conflict, between the two alien species called the Protoss and the Zerg. Uh, they're both on something of a collision course, and humanity just happens to expand into a part of space where they're now going to get wrapped up in this war. Uh, both the Zerg and the Protoss are like genetically groomed or engineered species for some random purpose I don't fully understand by a now extinct alien race. Yeah, the, the Terran just sort of happened to be there. It's a nice excuse. Uh, I, I can't, I can only tell you that it, it is based on a video game and that there are three races because they're rock, paper, scissor balancing kind of <laughs> a video game. And it's not <laughs> necessarily uh, a great story reason. It's kind of like they thought of the game first and shoehorned a story well, to well, fit. Well, it was originally a Warhammer Warhammer 50K or whatever it's called. It was a game based on that property, and then they lost the license. Right. That property also being a game. <laughs> yeah that has a stu story shoehorned in to fit the game like we need we need a we need a story here why why are these three races fighting uh so basically as i understand it i i'm not as familiar with the story as you are and the characters of the story kind of 
don't appear in any of the gameplay itself. They're really only relevant between cutscenes. That's not entirely true. Some of the characters appear as hero units, where they're stronger versions of regular units. Right. But the, but they don't have any story. The like, gameplay in the, in the fight. The gameplay doesn't tell the story though, because as I'm sure our friends at Words About Games would tell you, you know, video game could be a very interesting medium for telling a story. That's not what they're doing here, though. The gameplay and the story are only very loosely connected. Yeah, they actually told the story through brief. 30 second cutscenes from uh, the best, the best cutscenes that 1998 could offer. And, and in between missions, a bunch of talking head portraits would talk to each other and explain the situation before you go in there and you fight. Yeah, for your character who probably didn't need to know all that drama part. Yeah, you're. Interestingly enough, you are a character. You're just a, a silent character. And, uh,. The protagonist of this book we're about to discuss just uh, like retcons your character out and he just kind of takes that guy's place. Right, because you can't have a silent protagonist. Actually, that would be really funny if there's a guy that's just standing around and never talks. You, you know. Ishiroshe. It's in many ways like Duke Lagrange. I'm trying to think of a comeback for that. I guess this made a lot more money, so. It's, yeah. <laughs> Again, got him. <laughs> I I wonder though if it if it passes the test. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of being a book snob here, but well, yeah, we're gonna become more snobbish later. Yeah. So let let me let me treat this as if it were a normal episode and tell you why I picked this book, Ben. Because I thought it would be an easy read that I could just blow through and give us a chance to talk about Starcraft on the podcast. And this was the first one, as far as I could tell. I heard good things, and I know you're going to ask me about this, about the Dark Templar saga. Oh, yeah. Yeah. From from who? Um, I, I knew someone back in the day who read a bunch of StarCraft books. Also, we talked about the author as being a good author. Uh, that's Christy Golden. I do like some and of the... And I read the synopsis. Yeah. Uh, it actually seems like it's more of an original story than this book. Of the, like merchandise books and i suppose we'll get into what i mean by that a little bit later i think christy golden is a a consistently good author so i thought this book see i knew this book going in was gonna be like a retelling of part of the story of the game and i thought like they're gonna do something with it they're gonna flush it out and boy was i fucking wrong it is the same exact story it is one-third of the original game's story. It's just the human perspective, and that's it. There's nothing new here. It, you could actually pick out where a level ends and where the next level begins. There's no new knowledge gained. There's nothing interesting about this. If you played the game, you've already read this book. And you don't, don't don't waste your fucking time. So I did look up the author a little bit. Do you want to mention who the author is? Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. 
Who the fuck is the author? I didn't even write it down. I didn't write it down. Uh, Jeff Grubb. Uh, Jeff Grubb, I saw just in one of his profiles, he's listed as an author and a video game designer. And a lot of his books are similar kind of right to hire established video game IP books. Like he's written, uh, or not, not even just video game. He's written a couple of magic, the gathering novels and a Warcraft novel here or there. And I forget what else he does have some original work, but it seems like he's kind of got, got a foot in the video game industry. When did this book come out? Did this book come out in 98 too? No, this one came out in 2001, I believe. Oh Jesus. Uh, I was going to say like, I don't know if the expectations were lower because video games because they stopped giving a shit about starcraft anyway no i was gonna say because video games i don't know if around that time they were still primarily like a children's medium i i it everything you've told me about this book makes me think it's aiming for the the 12 to 19 audience i don't think that's probably true all right, you want me to give a very brief summary? I'm just going to do my best to blow through this. And then we can talk about this fucking book. Also, Jeff Grubb, uh, trivia. Jeff freely admits he hates everything that he writes for at least two years after he writes it. Then he slowly comes to see how good it was after that. He'll have to let me know how you get to that slowly coming around to thinking it's good part, because yeah, I hate everything I've ever here, written Jeff. in perpetuity. <laughs> So, Michael Daniel Liberty is a news reporter in the fast-paced world of futuristic print journalism. Print journalism? Yes! They still have newspapers, Ben. They don't even have, like, a hollow pad or... No. Fucking newspapers, Ben. Can we talk about how his initials are MD Liberty? Can we also talk about he's all into Liberty and works for the Confederacy? Whoa, Whoa, spoilers, man. I'm just getting to that. So, Michael Daniel Liberty's multi-part expose on the Tarsanas City Council's dumping of radioactive material in Central Park was the talk of the town. But what Liberty didn't know is that he managed to piss off one of the old families, the most powerful people in the Confederacy of Man who we never see but are told are big and scary and shit. So, do you remember back when we did Dune? And one of your first criticisms was like, right off the bat, it's just a bunch of words that I don't know what they mean to these people. <laughs> so I don't know what Tarsanis City is. I, it has a central... That's the cap- capital city on the capital planet. It has a central park that they're dumping radioactive material in. And Apparently. he did an expose on this. Yeah, he, he, he figured this shit out. Did anybody else figure it out when they just dumped it in the middle of the central park? Well, I guess, no, no, no one did. Second question, third question, I don't care. (laughs) Did they know that there were other races in the galaxy when they called it the Confederacy of Man, or did they just read the script? I I can answer that one. Uh, It was only called the Confederacy in the games, and I think retroactively they named it the Confederacy of Man. Is Is that to try to make it less, you know... 
problematic? <laughs> I I think yeah. I think I think maybe part of the reason they're like, hey, maybe we shouldn't have had the stars and bars as our flag and called it the Confederacy. Yeah, yeah, that's a. Uh... You know, though, for anyone who's familiar with the StarCraft II general chat, it's easy to see how it went unnoticed for so long that this was a problem. Uh, It's very right-leaning general chat. I get most of my news from the StarCraft II general chat. (laughs) All right, back on this amazing story. Given the choice of a posting off world with the colonial marines, yeah, that's ripped from aliens, or probably getting shot in the head by an assassin, I guess, the choice was pretty easy. Now Michael Liberty is on the NORAD 2, commanded by a gorilla-looking cowardly old motherfucker named Edmund Duke, who vacillates wildly between incompetent dipshit and super tactical genius, I assume based on whether or not you're in direct control of him at the time. So time out. Did you think it was odd that they also have a North American Aerospace Defense Command? I don't know who came up with that. Do you think name? maybe the author didn't know NORAD was an acronym? I'm not going to pin that on the author. I'm going to pin that on the StarCraft 2 or the StarCraft 1 writer because it was in the game. Yeah. Do you think maybe they didn't put any thought whatsoever into the story and they just rushed it after development? What? Ben I'm uh, hold off on your judgment, okay? Do you think maybe they were relying on it being a very well balanced multiplayer game that would become like one of the founding esports, and they just didn't give a shit about the story, much like uh, I on, don't ben. give a shit about the story? Hold on, Ben. We haven't even gotten to let's say the good parts. <laughs> but that's when Michael's world gets flipped, turned upside down. When the aliens called Protoss make first contact and burn the planet Chaucera. You could have done better with those rhymes, man. Yeah, I, I know. I... And West Chaucera, born and raised on the planet's not molten surface he spent most of his days. <laughs> he was chilling out max and relaxing all cool outside of the school. And then uh, they lit his planet on fire and now he's dead. <laughs> I don't even know how I'm not going to top that. He goes, <laughs> he goes to the sister planet in the system, and then and then it gets it becomes like a, a horror novel for a moment because he starts hearing rumors of like cattle mutilation and people disappearing, and he visits a small abandoned mining village, and it's it's just weird. He he finds signs of a struggle and people abandon the the little town in a hurry, and then he starts finding shit like. The ground looks like it's alive, and then shit starts popping out of the ground and eating people. And a couple of Zerg, they were up to no good, started making <laughs> trouble in his neighborhood. That's <laughs> why so I'm glad you're here. That's <laughs> what you bring. This is what you bring to the table. So, Liberty is saved by a local marshal named Jim Rayner. That's a guy from games. So, everyone clap and cheer. And then it's basically just the plot of the game. He, he destroys an installation. And then he gets arrested by the Confederates. And then Liberty runs into a telepath who can read minds and is a telepath. And she uses telepathy a lot. And that's her thing. Her name is Sarah Kerrigan. Did I mention she's a telepath? Because the book does. 
a lot. And she's working for a rebel guy named Arcturus Minx, who's also a terrorist. And he recruits Liberty. And then he, he says that the Confederates aren't going to abandon the planet. They're just leaving it to the Protoss to burn. So he's going to save everyone. And then, and then they bust Rainer out of jail. And then, and then Liberty and Rainer bust into a Confederate installation. And then they go to another planet inside of an uprising. And then they rescue Duke on that planet, recruit him. And then they find a new weapon, and they plant it, and lure a bunch of Zerg there to kill everyone. And then they do it again on the capital planet, to the objection of Kerrigan and Rainer. And then the Protoss arrive to fight the Zerg, and Mink sings Kerrigan to go stop him, so the Zerg will kill the Confederates instead of the Protoss. And then Minx betrays her and abandons her, and Liberty and Rainer break away. It's the same fucking story. It's the whole goddamn story of the first game. Why did I read this? I was bored writing the script. I hope I conveyed that by how I was talking. I hope your brain is oozing out of your ears. But yeah, did, am I selling you on this book, Ben? Did you get? Is, are you gonna go read this book now? And then he Maybe. sat on his throne as the prince of the Confederacy of Man. Well, no, he changed it to the Dominion of Man because he's not a racist. <laughs> yeah, is he a racist? Yeah, uh, he's a he's well defined race. I mean, he he hates alien races, but he's down with like all flavors of. He's humanity. down with like you know humans are fine. Okay. I mean, that is probably how it's going to go as soon as we <laughs> meet something a little bit more different. So, I've been struggling with this, and we had we talked about this a bit, but uh, who the fuck is this, this novel for? Because people who like the StarCraft story, of which there are probably tens of people or less, uh, they've already experienced everything this book has to offer, because they already played the game. But they also got to, you know, play a game while doing it like there was there was something to do while while experiencing this bare bones story is it like to lure people who aren't aware of starcraft in who are like oh i'm at a bookstore and oh there's a there's a cool new sci-fi novel called starcraft liberty's crusade Oh, did you know that this was a game? I'm gonna buy that too. Almost assuredly not. No. Like, have you ever noticed how I all the video it. game books and all the like Star Wars—they're all next to each other in a bookstore? <sighs> yeah. So it's called the sci-fi section. No, pretty depressing. It's, it's always <laughs> next to the D and D books, and there's a reason for that. It's because it's. It's for people who game. You know, we've touched on this before with our discussion of Timothy Zahn's Heir to the Empire. And it's like, well, Starcraft is technically a sci-fi fantasy story. I'm going to propose that its primary genre is merchandise. Much like Heir to the Empire, this book is marketed and consumed primarily as an accessory to another product. So in this case, the Starcraft video games. Every popular IP at some point is guaranteed to eventually produce books. It's relatively cheap and easy to hire a writer and publish a novel. And while I'm not 100% sure, the fact that this book is still on the shelves leads me to suspect there's a pretty good return on investment for that. And I mentioned all this up as a buildup to your, you know, who is this book for? This book, like all other merchandise books, 
is for the fans of the IP. It is not to try to bring in new readers. It is likely aimed at younger readers, maybe who want to relive the campaign, were not able to finish the campaign, and it serves the same role as a toy or an action figure. Essentially, I think this book is more display piece than it is book. I so, do- no, no, actually, you go ahead and finish. I just, I don't think this book exists independent like you're saying does this book exist to bring people into the the novel and i would say that's a total total backwards it, yeah it's like it's not like the transformers cartoon existing to sell toys this is just a cheap way to capitalize on a on brand recognition so, first, let me defend Heir to the Empire. While it's not high art or anything, it was at least a, a, an original story in the Star Wars universe. They didn't just make the novelization of Return of the Jedi beat for beat, except only from, like, Wedge's perspective or something stupid like that. So, I'll, I, I want to say... I'm being kind of harsh on this, and it, it may sound gatekeepy, like I'm saying... Ben, this- Ben, I'm being harsh on this, too, because this book fucking sucks. Well, no. <laughs> what I mean to say is, I haven't read the book, so I don't know if it sucks, but... That's fair. I, I don't mean to sound like a gatekeeper saying that this isn't real books, but it doesn't... Just because it's merchandise doesn't mean it can't be well done. Like, just because a cartoon is designed to sell toys doesn't mean it can't be a great cartoon. Right. People loved Transformers, I guess. That Not is, me, but... <laughs> yeah, it wasn't for me. But that is what it is. It, it is merchandise. And yeah, so, there's no obligation. Again, there's no obligation for it to be good to sell, is what well, I'm saying. Well, let, let me tell you, first of all, when I say it sucks, I don't mean it's poorly written because it is actually pretty well written but it's just it's nothing new in this universe that's what's perplexing me that's where i'm hung up because when you're saying people who couldn't finish the campaign motherfucker just type in cheat codes if you have to if you really care that much for whatever reason that is a zero cost to you cheat well you're talking about a world where Google was still new and YouTube wasn't even a thing. If you're the only kid in your neighborhood who likes StarCraft, do you know that there's cheats? Yes. As a person <laughs> who played StarCraft at this time, I can tell you and the had internet no had enough on it <laughs> that I could find cheat codes. There's another option here, and that is... Grandma knows Jimmy likes something <laughs> called StarCraft, and she bought him the StarCraft. And and then Jimmy goes, oh, thanks, Grandma. What this percentage is, of... I'm going to read this book right away. What percentage of copies of this book do you think actually got read after purchase? This is why we need digital achievements for books, like uh, for games. Good and the first one will be read the first chapter. That way... We can know how many people bought it digitally and then didn't read it. 
I would say a pretty low percentage. Or maybe they would read the first few chapters and go, oh, this is this is the game. I really think this is just like your parents want you to read more, so you buy a book that's about something you already like, and you read it until they tell you you don't have to anymore. It doesn't mean it can't be good. I do want to say that. Like, it doesn't mean there's not no. gems out there like in this said. genre, but that is the genre. And because it's a popular IP, it sells on brand recognition alone. It doesn't have to do anything. Timothy Zahn, I don't know if he had how much creative input he had in the actual plot of that book, but he's he's writing for cash he's writing for salary he's not writing so do that the, book do the guys over at words about games you said they're game designers are they are they making games actively yeah i mean they develop okay when they get popular uh have them uh have them hit us up <laughs> we'll we'll write them a terrible story on, on commission i just like when you're working for a paycheck you can either go above and beyond just because you're an artist who loves art and you're getting paid and you don't, you don't really care about expectations. You're like, I'm just going to do the shit out of everything I do and make the best of it. Or you can just yeah, like the rock. Honestly, like the rock. Yeah. He gives it yeah. 110% whenever he says something. I'd say like Nicholas cage is an even better example. <laughs> Nicolas Cage works, man. Uh, he's cheesy as fuck, but I love it. And I just think this guy, he got his paycheck. And there's nothing wrong with that either. I don't blame him. Yeah, You no. said he good, wrote a competent story. He did. He writes well. Uh, I, I'm not, I don't want to take any slight on the author because I don't think the author really had anything to do with this, really, well, other than there you his word it. choice. The author it's, didn't it's, have anything to do with the plot. It's pretty much the people at Blizzard probably going like, here, write this. Turn this into a book. That's, word for word. It is the novelization beat. of a game. When the author has nothing to do with the plot, I don't know why you're reading that book, to be honest. It, it's just... I guess that is gatekeeping. I guess I am saying what's a real book and what's not, but I do think <laughs> I do think you're more likely to get a better story when the author has control of his plot or at least some say in his plot. There can be like a, at Lucasfilm there can be a continuity expert who says like, "Well, no, you can't use this character cuz he died huh, two series no, ago." Han Solo doesn't get to have seven arms. Yeah. So there could be a continuity expert, but you you need to have it at least has to be a, a collaboration with strong input from the author. Also, the cover to this book is just the cover to the Brood War CD case. I think that tells you how much they cared. Yeah, they didn't give a fuck about this book. They really did. Like you, they were probably looking. We cared more about Eden <laughs> because. Eden wasn't based on a popular IP. They probably just... Which we should. They probably didn't even produce it. Somebody probably just bought the the merchandising the rights. publishing yeah. rights off of Blizzard. And Blizzard sold the rights. And they're like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. It's a nice infusion of cash for us. And then that person went and just printed it. So you, you didn't read this book, obviously. We've been saying that. Uh, but you have read Warcraft books. Same company that yeah. did Warcraft and Starcraft. What can you tell us some of your experience on Warcraft books? 
So the ones I read primarily were, so I read those in high school, so bear with me. Um, I read Day of the Dragon by Richard A. Knack. I read the War of the Ancients trilogy, and I read the one about Thrall. Those were all pretty well done, and they didn't tell the game's campaign again. Okay. They told stories. So this is this is an outlier. Yeah. Possibly. Well, I think it. Warcraft is a more story-driven game than Starcraft. Starcraft really thrives as an esport, whereas Warcraft. There's a scene, but it's not huge. Warcraft kind of was the more story-ended game, and so I think Blizzard, they knew they were going to do World of Warcraft, which was a massively multiplayer online role-playing game, and they knew it was going to be very story-driven. So they they wanted to flesh yeah, out. Well, well, Warcraft was the golden goose, so maybe that's why the books at least made more sense as well. Because books, StarCraft doesn't really have much of a story until StarCraft 2, and that story's kind of fucking awful. The Warcraft books are definitely... I, I get a feeling that at that point, for Warcraft at least, Blizzard wanted to invest in the lore because they saw that adding to the game. And because the games made them more money than some small countries. Warcraft made them a fuck ton of money. You you talk about cover art. All those all those books have uh commissioned illustrations for cover art. All those books are So yeah, they didn't give a shit about this book really. They're heavily cross-promoted. Blizzard always releases them with the audiobook companion and all that stuff. All the little wow YouTubers are out there plugging their stupid book on audio and it's or on Audible. Sponsor us, Audible. Oh, do you want to do another free uh, Raid Shadow Legends? <laughs> While we're talking about video games? Don't any one of you in this audience download Raid Shadow Legends until we give you the okay. Exactly. Actually, if you've already uninstall it. Yeah. We're holding Raid Shadow Legends hostage. You start paying us money. <laughs> Demand Raid Shadow Legends sponsor us. If you were ever thinking about playing Raid... I know you weren't, but if you ever were... Demand. Same with Audible. Don't you, don't, none of you download audiobooks. Yeah, Audible would actually be great for our podcast. Yeah, you tell Audible that. You tell them that's synergy, man. We can uh, shove people... To go buy StarCraft Liberty, Liberty's Crusade, <laughs> the Audible book. I'm telling you what, Audible, I will sell so many goddamn copies of Dune. Oh, God. So were we talking about a book? Fuck. I mean, it sounds like maybe it was before they... Or, okay, it's probably a combination of things. A, this was in 2000. Uh, Warcraft 3 hadn't even come out yet. World of Warcraft was still several years away. StarCraft was not a hot property, except for in Korea, but, like, no one gave a shit about the story. So, they probably, you're probably right. They probably were just like, oh, you want to buy the rights to our fucking book series? All right, whatever. Like, extra money coming into Blizzard. Good for them, I guess. It was probably a combination of, like, 
Warcraft became big, so they actually put money and effort into those books. StarCraft at the time, not big. There were no new games for StarCraft on the horizon. And the one that was on the horizon got canceled. So they're probably just making a quick buck. And that's what the book comes off as. It comes off as a very... I would I wouldn't say do I want to say lazy product? It's it seems lazy. They hired a guy to just rewrite the story exactly how it was written before and they printed it. And it probably worked. I mean, I saw all those fucking reviews on Goodreads that you sent. Well, you asked me who read this book and I so I just sent you Apparently there's a guy who reads the book once a year. I just sent you pages and pages of five-star reviews. Some from as late as 2016. A really good sci-fi novel that can get anybody into the StarCraft universe. Yeah, I was going to come on here and complain about things like they mentioned sub-warp, and I went, I don't know what that means. And then they never explain what the fuck sub-warp is. I think it's anything less than warp, in which case... What the fuck does that mean? uh, My car (laughs) goes sub-warp. Yeah. Well, subwarp. They say we're going into subwarp. Hmm. Huh? Yeah, I would imagine. Well, maybe that's maybe they meant pre-warp. No, they said subwarp. Yeah, I know what they said. As in, as in, <laughs> we're going into subwarp. Hyperspace. And then, and then the Protoss are going into subwarp. Well, they must have researched gateways. Also, maybe. Yeah. So Liberty was hanging out with the Confederate soldiers at the beginning. And then he's with the rebel soldiers in the middle of the book, and they killed a bunch of the squad he was hanging out with. And he's like, the helmets, these might be people he knew. People who still owed him poker money. And I just groaned out loud, like, that's that's Duke Lagrange territory, man. Yeah. I got them all. And as I killed each and every one of them, I knew what they were thinking. Fear, panic. Hatred, hopelessness, breakfast. Breakfast? One of the Texans skipped breakfast, and he was really regretting not having had waffles. Kerrigan gave a sniffling giggle. He was about to have his throat slit, and he was worrying about waffles. And my note just reads, oh no. (laughs) And then the next line, it sucks being a telepath. And my note is, it sucks more for that guy whose throat you slit, though. So... You don't like this book. You knew you weren't going to like this book. I didn't know I was going to dislike this book. I thought I was going to feel probably nothing for the book in the way that X Heroes was. But this is even less than that. I figured it would do something different or it would add another perspective to this. But it's literally the same perspective going through the campaign. I just want to point out that is a... That is a notch on our compliments to Peter Klein's board. X Heroes was better than whatever this book's called. They also say larvae are the building blocks of the Zerg, and they use the word spellcasters. <laughs> just, just a straight-up gameplay term. <laughs> I'm reading through my highlighted notes. They call them spellcasters. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, the... The Protoss are coming in even faster. Yeah, Void Rays got buffed in patch 2.0. <laughs> oh, dear. So, uh, thank, thank God that Blizzard doesn't give a shit about the Zerg. 
He's just running Zergling sitting in our siege tank. Yeah, this guy's a fucking moron. That's a little inside <laughs> joke. So, so, what was the point of all this? Why, why are you doing this? Well, I also, I was also wondering, like, I saw a bunch of people bitching about, like, the Rainer Kerrigan thing. And I was like, I wonder if that's fleshed out in this book. And I almost think that Mike and Kerrigan are a thing. Because they grow closer. And oh, who'd have thought the author's OC. The self, yeah. yeah, the self-insert character. Yeah. It's like Twilight, but StarCraft. What if there were two girls fighting over him? What if there's a uh, hot I, Protoss I, I, I want to tell you right now, I would probably enjoy that book more than this one because it's at least well, we established different. there are lady protoss so we could have a little love triangle there i mean i would be down to watch that and kerrigan becomes a zerg lady so i mean you can do all kinds of weird shit i don't know man i is there anything else you think i should know about this book no it's no it's it's nothing it's nothing i'm not going to read it but would you recommend others read it no <laughs> <laughs> go on YouTube. If you, if you care about the story of StarCraft, go on YouTube and just watch the campaign and just skip to the story parts. Or, next week, we're going to have a condensed version <laughs> of the StarCraft story. <laughs> I don't know how this became so important to you. Oh, man. I, I don't know either. <laughs> but see, <laughs> that's no the thing. I'm surprised clue. you're asking, like, who is this for? It's like people like you. Yeah, some asshole. People who... who got super invested in the StarCraft story. Oh, God. Oh, God. I I'm don't understand them. you, but <laughs> I understand there's people like you. You should probably go to BlizzCon and find your people. Maybe this is Maybe this is my story, Ben. Now there's going to be a swelling of music, and I'm going to disappear into a crowd, and the camera's going to zoom out. Uh, like, like BlizzCon is on the other side, but it's just a door opening into light, and I step through the light. And then I step out six hours later, smelling a BL. Yeah, I could, I could go to BlizzCon dressed up as Michael Liberty, and no one would notice. They would ask why I'm wearing a fucking brown dumpster. Oh, God, he's wearing a... What the fuck is it? With goddamn nerds and dusters. Are you going to go buy a sword and a... Well, you already have a fedora. No, I don't. I threw that out a long time ago, Ben. I threw that out. <laughs> I, I cast my past aside. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, threw, I threw my fedora deep into the Grand Canyon. <laughs> yeah, get you, get oh, yourself man. a little duster and a sword and a cowboy hat, and you can... Uh, I'll, I'll, get a, I'll get a master sword replica. That'll make me And you need to talk like Batman all the time. It's fine to have these things. I'm not judging anyone. I'm just saying, I don't understand the fascination. <laughs> like, like, a duster doesn't make you look cool. It, it made Neo look cool, kind of. 
but that was only because he was framed as a protagonist. If you had just like put Neo in a crowd and zoomed out, he'd have looked like a dick. Well, Ben, let me ask you a very serious question. How do you greet women if you don't have a hat to tip to them? Ooh, you got to bow at the waist. Oh, okay. Yeah. You got to bow at the waist, no eye contact. Well, yeah, if you show eye contact, that's a sign of disrespect. Yes. All right, so we're done with this fucking book, right? Yeah. You bow at the waist, <laughs> and you're like, Konnichiwa, Otome-san. So next week, we actually have already recorded this, but I talked to Ben for three fucking hours about StarCraft. I'm going to... I am going to release a very, very heavily condensed version of that episode. Yeah, I want to point out to the listeners, this this was the price of Lovecraft. This was the price of Lovecraft, yes. <laughs> I have no interest whatsoever in the StarCraft story, despite being a long-time fan of the games. <laughs> and, and the following week, uh, we have a special episode that Ben isn't even aware of. So oh my. That's going to be fun. Uh, and then we're going to wrap up season one and this year. And then, Ben, do you want to introduce what we are doing next month? Our big book for next month, January. No. <laughs> All right. Well, bye, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Don't read it. <laughs> Tell you what. Don't worry about it. <laughs> That's what we're reading next month. It's Edenverse. It is the book we wrote in college. And then, and then after that, we're going to get back to, like, good books. Like, we read Haroon and the Sea of Stories. That was a good book. So, I do want to point out, if you are interested in reading along, Edenverse Volume 1 is freely available on poorlywritten.ninja. You can check out... There, there is an ebook you could buy if you're a masochist. Or if you feel really guilty about taking advantage of poor, down-their-luck authors uh, who gave you a free novel. The ebook really only <laughs> includes a few extra bonus chapters that don't have anything to do with the overarching narrative <laughs> such as it is. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not going to miss anything by just reading what's freely available on the website, but if you'd like to have it on a Kindle or something, you can you could buy the ebook. I don't know how much it costs. Five dollars. Five dollars. Probably even be cheaper, but you know. Can we control that? Uh, yeah. Maybe we should give it a discount. Just in time for the holidays. Yeah. You can buy. You can buy your own copy of Eden, and then you can buy a bunch of copies for all your friends and family. <laughs> We're having an Eden verse volume one, a five for one sale. <laughs> you can get five <laughs> copies for the price of one. <laughs> Give them to someone you hate. (laughs) (laughs) Give them to a writer. Give them to a struggling writer who doesn't have much confidence in what they're writing and be like, look, these guys have a podcast. These these guys are, they managed to release a book. So like, fucking anyone can do it. Literally anyone can. (laughs) release a book on Amazon. (laughs) It's not hard. (laughs) Yes. Alrighty. That's it. Goodbye. Bye.
Yeah, my my friend actually messaged me. He's like, "Dude, you can vote for JoJo," and I was like, "Please don't, please don't, please don't cast a meme vote in this election." <laughs> yeah, I'm talking to you, Brandon. If you're listening to the podcast, don't cast a meme vote. 